God has an application for every area and every need in our lives. Many of those are found in the book of Proverbs, where God gives us practical wisdom that we can apply to our lives based on a biblical and a Christian worldview. Typically, if somebody goes to a counselor for a problem and a Christian counselor, at some point that counselor will say, well, here's what God's Word says. This is how God speaks to that. And the wisdom of Proverbs is not in isolation. The wisdom of Proverbs is uh, concise, profound thoughts, uh, sharp, quick sentences that give us a picture of the overall wisdom that God wants us to have. And everybody in this world is either living by wisdom or they're living in foolishness. They're making foolish decisions. The reason people make so many mistakes and have to keep saying, I'm sorry, is because they make foolish decisions. The reason that we get in trouble is because we make foolish decisions. And so if we want God's wisdom, we need to look at the book of Proverbs to get some capsules of wisdom and truth that will help us in dealing with life. Now, now this one is going to be a little tough because none of us in this room want to admit that this is an issue. Pride. Middle letter in sin is I. The middle letter in pride is I. I don't need that. I don't need to hear that. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't need to listen to that counsel. I don't need to follow that advice. I don't need to do that. I don't want to do that. I is always our problem. And, and many times, although we would uh, guise and disguise ourselves in a false humility, uh, the reality is, is pride is a real problem with most people. Uh, the famous actress of another era, Billy Burke, who was Glinda the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz, was on a cruise uh, across the Atlantic one day, and she noticed a man at the table next to her who had a severe cold, and so she walked up to him, and she said, Hello, I'm Billy Burke. So I noticed you have a cold, and she said, Here's what I would like to suggest to you. I would like to suggest that you go to your stateroom and you take a couple of aspirin and you wrap yourself up in a blanket and that you sweat this cold out because that's how you're going to get over this cold. You see, I've had colds and as an actress, it's really important that I not let a cold affect me and so I, I just want to give you some advice because I've studied this. I'm Billy Burke, the famous actress. And the gentleman said, thank you very much. I'm Dr. Mayo of the Mayo Clinic. Now, here's how pride can raise itself up. One, one it can raise itself up in legalism. I, I don't do things that you do, or I set rules that I want you to follow. Legalism is a dangerous substitute for a vital faith that walks by faith and not by rules. Rules remind us that nobody can keep them all. The Ten Commandments are there to remind us that on our own, we cannot do what the Ten Commandments tell us to do. So the Pharisees said, well, the answer to that is add more rules. 
So they added 675. Uh, I, I've been in churches that have had about 15,000. You know, you can't touch this, can't go there, can't do this, can't do that. And, and, and they judge people by external rules and appearances. The other side of that is license. I don't have any rules. I'll just do whatever I want to do, live however I want to live. Doesn't matter what the law says. Doesn't matter what God says. I'm going to act on what I feel and what I want and what I think and just throw away the rules and justify that kind of behavior. Both extremes are deadly and both extremes are driven by pride to prove something, either to oneself or to somebody else. By rules of legalism, we try to prove to people, I don't have to have rules. I'm, uh, I, I don't have to have other people's rules. I got my own, and I'll live by mine. By license, we say, nobody can put a box around me. I'll live however I want. Isn't it amazing the license that's going on in our world right now by the uh, Wall Street protesters? They don't mind breaking the rules and using the restroom on public property and pushing around police officers because they got a beef. So they, it's okay. It's okay. The only problem is you say, well, it is. You know, they got a right to do that. No, they don't. The Bible says you're to respect those who are in authority. And by the way, Paul wrote that about a dictatorial empire called Rome. He didn't write it about a democracy. Yes, we have the freedom to do a lot of things, but freedom to do something doesn't mean you ought to go do it. There are consequences to exercise, exercising freedom without restraint or responsibility. Now, now here's what happens, and, and I know this doesn't happen with anybody in here, but here's, here's what happens in, in some places. And, and I grew up in the South in the Bible Belt, and, you know, when I was a little boy, that, this is what I knew. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, and you don't go with girls who do. Well, neither does a light pole, but that doesn't mean that light pole is spiritual. Uh, you know, women shouldn't wear makeup. My, my philosophy on that is if the barn needs paint and paint it. <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> but you don't need to look like a cake factory. I mean, you don't need to do that either. Uh, you know, women shouldn't wear pants. Men should always take their hat off, and, and, and you should always wear a tie, or you shouldn't wear a tie. Uh, I, I remember preaching in a, in a state convention, and a, and a guy walked up to me, and he told me that I could not magnify Jesus without a tie on. I thought, do you put on a tie when you have your quiet time? Do you put on a tie when you... Or saying the blessing, you know, hold on, kids, we can't eat. I know the food's hot, but Dad's got to put on a tire. He can't talk to Jesus. I mean, the insanity of the way some people think. Well, we don't own a TV. No, but you just go visit the neighbors who own one and watch theirs. I, I remember a guy that uh, in, in Oklahoma when I pastored, and he said, you know, I don't want to own anything material. And so he got rid of all his material stuff. Now, he didn't give it away. He sold it. Sold his lawnmower, sold his television, sold his stereo. 
And every Saturday, he would go to his neighbor's house and borrow his lawnmower and borrow his rake and borrow his hoses to water his yard because he didn't want to own anything material. He just wanted to use everybody else's. And when I asked him about it, he said, well, material things are of the devil. I said, well, you don't mind using somebody else's. Seems to me like you're justifying a really dumb conclusion that you've come to. He was a judge. I was grateful to God I'd never had to go before him. <laughs> what kind of rules would he wake up? Well, I, I don't listen to secular music. Really? You ever gone into a restaurant? See, because if you eat out, you're going to have to listen to secular music. Now you need to be at the altar right now because you're going to go to hell for that. Well, I only watch Christian movies. Some of them aren't worth watching, to be quite honest with you. Well, I do this and I don't do that. I do this and I don't do that. Listen, what happens is we begin to judge everybody by our personal choices. And we make our standard of spirituality, not the Bible, not the scriptures, not revealed truth from God, but our standards, personal standards, become the standards for everybody. And if they don't live up to our standards, somehow they're not as spiritual as we are. And by the way, anytime you begin to think, I am more spiritual than somebody else, that's pride. Because all you are is a sinner saved by the grace of God. There is nothing in you that is worthy of praise. There is nothing about you that makes God call all the angels together and say, Oh my, look at this one. Aren't they incredible? I mean, God's not impressed with you. He had to send his son to die for you. That's how sorry you and I are. And yet pride makes us exalt ourselves. And, and, and so I, I'm not saying you can't do that or you, can't, you, you, know, you need to have a TV or you don't need... I don't, don't misquote me. What I'm saying is this. When your standard becomes a standard for how you judge others, that's pride. Amen. That becomes pride. When you view only by the externals, because God does not look so much at the externals as he looks at the heart. And sometimes the externals are not an indicator of where a person's heart is. You can keep all the rules and have a rebellious spirit on the inside. You can be like that little boy that we've all known. You know, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. And you, can, you can obey the rules and reject the authority of those rules or the principle of the heart behind those rules. Pride is to neglect God and set yourself up as the one who can make all decisions irregardless of what God says. Proverbs chapter 8 at verse 13. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. While you're turning to Proverbs 8, one of my favorite stories was of W.A. Criswell, the late pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, which at one point was the largest church in America and one of the largest ones in the world. And if you went into his office, he had a book on his coffee table and it had a title on it in gold embossed print, my humility and how I achieved it. 
And he would always leave the person that was in his office there, and inevitably they would be curious to pick up this book, my humility and how I achieved it. And when they opened it up, it was blank pages. To try to get the point, all of us are in a process of learning to walk humbly before the Lord. Proverbs 8 and verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. You see, pride is deceptive and it's destructive mainly because we refuse to admit it. And yet it is what destroys churches and families and marriages and nations. Pride is a prerequisite for failing in life. Humility is a prerequisite for succeeding in life. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts here that you may want to write down somewhere. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everybody sick except the carrier. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everybody sick except the person who's carrying it. You see, pride shows up whether we think it does or not. If there's one sin that God hates above all others, God says, I hate pride. Now, here's another one. Pride is the attitude that, attitude that credits itself for success and blames others for failure. Yeah, I did that. I did that. I did that. Boy, that went bad. Well, it's their fault. You blame your team. You blame your coworkers. You blame your wife. You blame your kids. You blame somebody else. The hardest words to say in the human language are, I have sinned. I am wrong. Please forgive me. Those are the hardest words to say. Why? Because it means swallowing our pride. And by the way, pride is like a horse pill. It doesn't go down very easy in the human throat. You and I battle with pride. It's a synonym for arrogance, which means to make yourself wide or large or to increase your opinion of yourself. One of my favorite stories is of Muhammad Ali, who was on a plane when he was a heavyweight champion of the world before he was uh, stricken with so many illnesses. And, and he's on this plane, and the, the stewardess is going down the aisle, and she's reminding everybody to buckle their seatbelt. And she goes by Muhammad Ali, and she says, Sir, you'll need to buckle your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the stewardess says, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> Adrian Rogers said, when the Bible warns against pride, it does not warn against the satisfaction of a job well done. When you dress, you ought to dress nicely. Going around looking like an unmade bed doesn't make you humble. That's not a sign of humility. You're just being sloppy. See, we need to understand this issue of pride. And let me give you two dangers of pride before we get into the first thing. First of all, it results in ingratitude. It results in ingratitude. I got here all by myself. You ever met anybody that was proud of their accomplishments? Never thought to think that if their mom and dad hadn't raised them and provided an education for them, they might not have accomplished anything. 
in gratitude. There was a picture behind Alex Haley's desk. Alex Haley was the famous author of Roots. And there was a picture behind his desk of a turtle on a fence post. And under that picture it read, nobody gets here by themselves. No turtle has ever gotten on top of a fence post by itself. Somebody had to put it there. It, it is a spirit of ingratitude. Secondly, it produces an independent spirit. An independent spirit. That's what the man in the New Testament said. I will build bigger barns. Man, I'm so good. I, I've got all of this under control. By the way, uh, that independent spirit, my favorite illustration of the independent spirit is Leonardo DiCaprio at the front of the ship on the Titanic saying, I'm the king of the world. You know, he died in that movie. The king couldn't keep the ship from sinking. In fact, inside the hull of the Titanic was written by the people who built it. Even God can't sink this ship, and it's the only thing we ever know it did. You see, it creates an independent spirit. Now, let's, let's look at the danger of self-deception, and these uh, references are going to come on the screen because I want you to see them, and it would take a lot of time for us to turn back and forth. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 12. Look at that if you will. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks change, multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. If you drop down a few verses to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 17. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. In Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13, this is a reference to Satan. And Isaiah says, Satan said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. Satan forgot that he was a creature and that God was the creator. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. This one won't come up, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for, what regards you as, for who regards you as superior? For what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You see, everything in our lives is ultimately traced to the favor and to the blessings of God. Amen. Nothing originated in us. Well, I thought of that. Well, God gave you the mind to think that. Well, I did this. Well, God gave you the ability to do it. Now, let, let me just give you a couple of examples here. Some people cannot walk by a mirror without looking in it. You ever notice them? I mean, they'll, they'll go through the mall like this. They'll, they'll hit a column, and then the minute they get to the glass, they'll go. 
You know, we ought to just station people in the mall that just sit there on benches and go, pride, pride, pride. <laughs> Listen to what Psalm 139 verse 13 says, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Now, some people are impressed with their looks. Some people are impressed with their education or their wealth, and they think it's my education or the fact that I've worked hard that I'm so successful. Listen to what Job 34 and verse 19 says. Who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich above the poor, for they all are the work of his hands. In a moment they die. And at midnight, people are shaken and pass away. And the mighty are taken away without a hand. Well, I've worked hard. I'm educated. I'm rich. I'm successful. That's why I am. You know, I, I never see a sign on the side of a hearse that says what their net worth was. It's just a hearse. And it's just a body. And it's somebody that died. And no money or lack of money determines where they spend eternity. Well, let's just look at one more. My kids are the best and the brightest because they've got such good genes. Well, maybe. The psalmist says in Psalm 127 and verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, is a reward. You see, I, I've known parents, good parents, that have raised lousy kids. And I've known bad parents that have had good kids. Some of the best kids I ever had in youth ministry, their parents didn't even come to church and didn't even like the fact that they came to church. They were great kids in spite of their moms and dads. And some kids, given every opportunity to be great, just decided just not to do anything worthwhile with their lives. So if your kids turn out great, don't pat yourself on the back. Amen. You may be a great dad, but it's the grace of God that got them there. Because they make their own decisions. They have a will, and they are responsible to God for their actions. So don't take all the blame if they blow it, and don't take all the credit if they don't make it. Because you've lost God in the mix. Secondly, the danger of provoking deity. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 16 and verse 5. Proverbs 16 and verse 5. Proverbs 17, uh, 16, 7 talks about a proud or haughty look, but I want you to look at Proverbs 16, 5, because this provokes God. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Now, because of time, let me give you two quick things here. Number one, pride made the devil the devil. Pride made the devil the devil. We just read that out of Ezekiel. Isaiah talks about it. Pride made the devil the devil. E Ezekiel says, until iniquity was found in him, 
and the iniquity of Satan was his pride, I will ascend and take the place of the Most High. By the way, pride led to the fall of man. Pride led to the fall of man. You shall be like God. And Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home, and every problem we have is the result of man's pride saying, I can be like God. You see, no pride, no devil, no devil, no fall, no fall, no sin, no sin, no problems. We got problems in this world because of one thing. Back in the garden, pride said we can be like God. Third thing, the damaging proof of depravity. Now remember what he says in verse 5 of chapter 16. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. If you turn to chapter 21 and verse 4, I want you to just see that phrase again. Chapter 21 and verse 4 where he talks about a proud heart. Now, in chapter 16, in verse 5, he talks about proud in heart, and this just gets it down even closer. Just got a proud heart. A proud heart. I, I want, I take, I need, I'll get, I'll do whatever I want to do. Why? Because of pride. You say, well, you know, I don't believe in the depravity of man. I don't believe in total depravity. I don't believe... You know, I believe everybody is in some way really, really good on the inside. People are often good because of pride. You know why they're good? You know why they're generous? You know why they start foundations? To put their name on the front of the foundation. The Tiger Woods Foundation. Donald Trump has a foundation. He's good because he wants credit for being good. But that doesn't make them good. Now... We're going to have a little test in a couple of weeks. Won't be a hard test. You're going to see the total depravity of your children and yourself in just a couple of weeks at Candy Fest. <laughs> However much candy they get, they're going to want more. Why? Because they deserve it. And then when they get home, you're going to say, now, just wait. Don't eat it all at one time. We don't need to be, you know, going to a sugar coma here. Just need to kind of wait. And when they go to bed, you're going to pick through their bag and you're going to get the ones you want. Amen. Why? Because of your pride. I deserve this. I don't care if my kids went up with the bag and got the candy. They wouldn't even have had a chance to get candy if it hadn't been for me. I deserve this. Where are the Hershey's with almonds? I need those. Where are the kisses? I need, where's the small snicker bars? Why did they get that junk? I don't like taffy. You see, it shows up. Let me give you three things. First of all, it is evident in dissension. It is evident in dissension. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Let me read it to you out of the message paraphrase. Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. It stirs up dissension, strife, jealousy. Every war, every church fight, every family fallout is ultimately dissension which comes from pride. Now, two thoughts here before we move to the next one. When self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. If self is on the throne of my heart, then Christ is on the cross. 
But if Christ is on the throne, then self is on the cross. That's why the scripture tells me to die daily to sin, to take up my cross daily and follow God. Why? Because myself wants to sit on the throne of my heart and to rule my life according to my wishes and my will. But God wants self on the cross, dying to self, and Christ on the throne of our hearts. And if that doesn't happen, then self will ultimately lead to dissension because we want our way. Secondly, it is evident in dishonor. It is evident in dishonor. Let me give you the references. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Proverbs 11. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 11 in verse 2. Proverbs 11, verse 2, and then we're going to go to Proverbs 29 because I want you to see these verses. Proverbs 11 in verse 2 and Proverbs 29. Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. The contrast there between pride and humility. Proverbs 29 in verse 23. Proverbs 29 in verse 23. God's given us his direction. He's given us insight about what deserves honor and how he esteems honor and how he looks at what honor really is. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Then lastly, it will eventually lead to destruction. It will eventually lead to destruction. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. God has an application in Proverbs that will keep you from destroying yourself, your family, and others you care about. Proverbs 15 in verse 25. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud. Why did that family fall apart? Why did that couple go through that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Sometimes you can just trace it to the pride of a man or a woman not being willing to say, I've messed up and we need to fix this. Sometimes that's all it is. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. You know this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. But look at Proverbs 18 and verse 12. Proverbs 18 and verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. In other words, if we really want to know what honor is and how to honor someone and how to be honored, it all begins with humility. But pride leads to destruction. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to talk to you for a second before we have a hymn of invitation. For some of you in this room, 
you need to understand that the worst form of pride is human goodness. I'm good enough. I don't need to trust Christ. I don't need to give my heart to Christ. I don't need to confess that I'm a sinner because I'm good. I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. But you can never be good enough to get to heaven. You can never be good enough to cover your sins. And pride today would keep you from coming from the back or the balcony or the mezzanines or the front. Pride would keep you from asking somebody to go with you or for coming yourself or for slipping down an aisle and saying, I need to find somebody and tell them that I need to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Pride started with the devil. And pride says, I don't need Jesus. I'll be the God of my own life. There are some here that are proud and you're church members, but you know in your heart that if you died today, you wouldn't spend eternity in heaven. You know that you've got religion. You know that you do good things, but you cannot nail down a time when you pass from death unto life. You cannot nail down a time when you confessed that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. You're a church member. You joined a church. You got baptized, but you've never been saved. There are others that need to be baptized, but you're worried about what somebody's going to think about you, and you're worried about if your hair is going to get wet and and if anybody's going to appreciate it and how you're going to explain it to people. And so needing to be baptized and needing to follow the Lord and be obedient in that area, pride is keeping you from responding to what God's told you you need to do. For others, there's a pride that keeps you from coming to the altar week after week after week because you just do your business with God where you are, and you can But not if God has told you one time you need to go to that altar and you need to get on your knees and humble yourself before me. And you said, no, that pride is ruling and reigning in your heart right now. And it hinders the flow of God's blessings into your life because you're worried about what your friends or other people will think about you. Some of you are already thinking, if I went down today, I'd have to admit that I'm full of pride. Guess what? You are. <laughs> That's simple. That's the problem. That's what needs to be dealt with. So we're going to begin to sing, and I'm going to ask you to stand right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Because really, you don't need to worry about what anybody else is doing at this altar. You just need to come find one of these staff members. You need to come to this prayer rail. And you need to do business with God today and not worry about anybody else. So while they're singing, you step out and you make the decision that God has laid on your heart.